The Word of God is our guide for us, for it points us to God and our need of Him. And so we look at the Scriptures each week as a reminder of who God is and the way we are to go. Last Sunday, we began looking at the book of Ruth, a book in the Old Testament, and we saw how Ruth went above and beyond in her care for her mother-in-law, Naomi. Today, as we look at chapter 2, we are introduced introduced to Boaz, a godly man of Bethlehem. Many people love the story of Ruth and Ruth and Boaz because of their love for one another. Their relationship is a beautiful picture of love, but it is quite different from the love stories we are used to in our culture, whether romantic novels or romantic comedies. Because Ruth and Boaz were not madly in love with one another, seeking to fulfill their longings for each other. Instead, they recognized in one another the same love for the same God lived out by following the same law. And when their obedience to that law overlapped, you start to glimpse some of God's beautiful design for his people. That when two people who love God and follow his law intersect, life starts to look how God wants life to look. It is full of love, whether that love is romantic or neighborly. And we find a picture of this law of love in action in Ruth chapter 2. So if you would, open up your Bibles, if you're not there yet, to the book of Ruth. You can find it on page 263 in the Black Pew Bibles. We'll be looking at Ruth chapter 2 today. So hear the word of the Lord, beginning in Ruth chapter 2, verse 1. Now Naomi had a relative of her husband's a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth, the Moabite, said to Naomi, Let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him, in whose sight I shall find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. So she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers, and she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem, and he said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered, The Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his young man who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, She is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came, and she has continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. Then Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter. Do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me, since I am a foreigner? But Boaz answered her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me. 
and how you left your father and mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done, and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Then she said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. And at mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. So she sat beside the reapers, and he passed to her roasted grain. And she ate until she was satisfied, and she had some left over. When she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and do not reproach her. And also pull out some from the bundles for her and leave it for her to glean, and do not rebuke her. So she gleaned in the field until evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. And she took it up and went into the city. Her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. She also brought out and gave her what food she had left over after being satisfied. And her mother-in-law said to her, "'Where did you glean today?' And where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, The man's name with whom I worked today is Boaz. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed by the Lord, whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Naomi also said to her, The man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. And Ruth the Moabite said, Besides, He said to me, you shall keep close by my young men until they have finished all my harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it is good, my daughter, that you go out with his young women, lest in another field you be assaulted. So she kept close to the young women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley and wheat harvests, and she lived with her mother-in-law. Amen. Let us pray. O Lord God, we give thanks for your word. It is good to know that though the events of this story take place some 3,000 years ago, it still feels so fresh and recent to us. People in need and people caring for those in need, part of the human condition we live in in this broken and fallen world. And so, Lord, speak to us today through your word. Reveal to us your truth, O God. Use me in spite of my sin to proclaim your word and give us ears to hear and open hearts and minds to receive it, O God, that we would be changed today to be more like your son, Jesus Christ, our Savior, in whose name we pray. Amen. What I want us to see in Ruth chapter 2 today is how God actually has a plan like a really good plan, that God creates an environment that is full of opportunities for his blessings to be extended to all people, especially the poor and the needy. You can think about environments with plant life as well, that just like plants need an environment of soil and water and sunshine so that they grow and flourish, so also a godly community characterized by love, compassion, and justice, needs certain conditions for that environment to exist. 
And so in this chapter, I want us to see three conditions for that kind of environment so that we can live in some kind of godly community characterized by love, compassion, and justice. The first condition for such an environment is an understanding of God's providence, an understanding of God's providence. We see this with some help from our narrator who wrote this story, that as the readers, we are blessed to look at the first three verses that the characters of the story didn't necessarily get to read. We are told that there is a worthy man who is a relative of Naomi's, and we are also told that Ruth ends up working in his field without knowing she is working in his fields. The way the author of Ruth writes this information is intentionally meant to point you to the providence of God. Here's what it says. So she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers, and she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. Now, we don't know exactly why Ruth chose this particular field. It does not seem she knew about Boaz or was told to go to this field. It was more, she was trusting in the Lord that I am going to go. Perhaps Naomi didn't even know of this Boaz all that well or didn't know he was still alive. We're not sure. Either way, the author presents Ruth's ending up in this field as a kind of coincidence. It's almost as if you could think that after Naomi got bad break after bad break after bad break, something finally goes right. The dice comes up with the numbers you were waiting for. That food is back in Bethlehem, and they arrive at the beginning of the harvest, so there should be plenty of food for the foreseeable future. And Ruth ends up working in a field of a worthy relative. Naomi can see this change in circumstances, and we can tell that from her change in attitude towards the end of the story. Because when Ruth comes home with arms full of barley, Naomi is quite surprised. This is far more than would be expected from one day's work picking at the edges of a field. And when she hears about Boaz, Naomi's mood really perks up, and she begins praising God and this man who showed compassion to Ruth. It's like her life outlook that was so dark has experienced a burst of sunshine bringing light to what had previously been dark. Because just at the end of last chapter, Naomi thought she was returning to Bethlehem empty and alone. That she was grieving and bitter towards God. But by the end of this chapter... She is full of hope and possibility. She refers to Boaz as our relative to Ruth, repeatedly calling her my daughter, though she is the daughter-in-law. It's because Naomi can start to see God's providence. She starts to see that Ruth didn't just happen to end up in Boaz's field. The Lord providentially placed her there as a way to show compassion to these two widows. Now, as we read the Bible and other stories of people's lives from long ago, stories that are complete, it can be easy for us to see, oh, look how God's working here. Look at how these things are going to connect in what God is doing. It's much harder to see when we are walking back from Bethlehem empty and bitter in that moment. 
Yet it is in those times we must remember that God is always working in our lives through his divine providence, that there are no coincidences, that he works all things together from the greatest to the least for his good and his good purposes. If God is putting various situations around us, bringing all manner of people who come from different circumstances around us, think of all the possibilities God might have in store. God is like a divine author of our story and the stories of everyone else in the world. And we as characters in his story may not know where the story is going, but there is enough out there around us to give us hope in the possibilities of what God might do to accomplish his good purposes, especially those good purposes we see lived out in his law. God's law is that second condition needed to create an environment where God's blessings flow to a community. Because by following God's law, we begin to model his character, which then blesses those around us. God's law reflects who he is. It's characterized by love, compassion, justice, mercy, and truth. And in a community where this law is practiced, there is hope for people to receive blessings from God. That's how we see Ruth act in this chapter. She sought refuge in the gleaning laws of the Old Testament. She knew that the poor, according to God's law, were allowed to walk around the edges of the field and pick up what was dropped or left by the harvesters focusing on the larger crop. That landowners were not supposed to pick every last crop. They were to leave some on the edges for the poor and the needy. And so knowing this law, Ruth went out to a field near Bethlehem, and she hoped someone would have left things on the edges. This was by no means certain. After all, this is the period of the judges, when people were not particularly interested in obeying the laws of God. And Ruth also knew that she was a Moabite, a foreigner from a people that wasn't exactly friendly towards the Israelites. She understood the law, and she tried to find mercy in the law, but she still didn't know that morning as she went out to the field if she was going to find any. But thankfully, she worked in Boaz's field. And Boaz was a worthy man who sought to obey God's law. And instead of being upset by the presence of a foreigner in his fields, Boaz was encouraged. He was encouraged because he saw Ruth and he had heard about her. She's one of those people that becomes the talk of the town. How often do you see a Moabite widow caring for an Israelite mother-in-law? Nowhere else in the Bible, technically. So really, never. Only in this instance. It's a rare thing. And Boaz had heard about this. He had heard about Ruth's faithfulness towards Naomi. And he had also heard about Ruth's faith in the Lord. In verse 12, he says, Verse 12, he states how I know you have taken refuge under the wings of God. Like a baby bird hiding under the protective wings of her mother, Ruth has found her protection under God. And in this instance, those wings were these laws that provided for the care of the poor and the widows, the gleaning laws. And so Boaz 
sees this and wants to show Ruth that her faith in God and his laws and his people is not misplaced, that he will ensure that the law will be done for her. And he does what the law requires of him. For us today who call ourselves Christians, our obedience to God or lack of obedience is a witness to the world about the character of God. The specific laws that we are commanded to obey may be different than the gleaning laws that Boaz followed, but the principles of those laws of love, justice, and compassion can be extended to our neighbors, especially to those who are poor and needy, bringing God's blessings to the community. We know we should do this, and yet often we don't. Why is that? Why is it that we don't let our actions towards those who don't believe reflect the God we believe in? Why don't we work for a society characterized by love, compassion, and justice? It's because there's a third condition needed to create such a community. We need to have received God's grace to be motivated to extend that grace to others. That's what we see in Boaz in this chapter. Boaz did not see himself as privileged by his birth or status as an Israelite man. Instead, he saw Ruth as an equal in the eyes of God, someone who was very much in need. You can see this very clearly in how he speaks to her. Notice what he calls her. Boaz never once refers to or calls Ruth a Moabite. Here's his exchange with his servant. Boaz starts it by asking, whose young woman is this? And his servant responds, she is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. His servant cannot help but see her as foreign, as someone who does not belong. He has to identify her as a Moabite, not Boaz. Boaz knows that because she believes in the Lord, she really is no longer a Moabite. She is an Israelite. And so he calls her young woman and my daughter. It did not matter to Boaz that she was from Moab. If anything, her ethnicity made her more vulnerable and more in need of the kind of help he could provide. Like our New Testament reading, Boaz did not show favoritism towards his other servant girls who were Israelites. Rather, he did the opposite by viewing someone who you would think would be shunned as an outsider and as an enemy and bringing her into the fold, treating her as one of his own people. He looked beyond cultural, racial, and economic differences to their shared faith and their shared personhood as people made in the image of God. All of this because Boaz was a worthy man meaning he had an unusual faithfulness to God and an age of unfaithfulness. It didn't mean that Boaz was just a really good guy, an upstanding man in the community. It meant that he believed in a really great God, and he knew that he depended on God's grace 
because he understood that his people, the Israelites, had been sinning against God for generations, and yet somehow this God had not given up on them and just wiped them off the face of the earth. He was still with them and for them. And understanding this grace that he had been shown by God, he wanted to extend that grace to others, even those who wouldn't seem to deserve it. Boaz didn't simply follow the law because he had to. No. Boaz went above and beyond the law, showing kindness to a foreign woman who he had no reason to show kindness to. And so not only did Boaz say, Ruth, you may glean in my field. I will uphold the law in this instance. That's not all he did. He invited her to his table and shared an abundance of food with her, sending her home with the leftovers even. He encouraged his workers to harvest less efficiently, to actually just drop stuff on the ground and pull some out to leave for her. He told Ruth, you don't have to stick to the letter of the law on the edges. I invite you into the field to take what you want. Boaz even cared for her safety by ensuring her protection, instructing his young men, don't let anything happen to her. Do not let her be taken advantage of, even though she is different and foreign and helpless. You don't go out of your way to go above and beyond like that, especially after a recent devastating famine, unless you know what it is like to receive that kind of grace. Boaz knew God had richly blessed him and his people that he was an Israelite chosen by God. He was given the holy law. He was shown the way to live. And instead of keeping that only for himself and his people, Boaz wanted to show how that grace had changed him. And he richly blessed Ruth by providing for her in her poverty. For us today, we should be motivated to extend that kind of grace to the poor and the needy because we have received such abundant grace in Jesus Christ. In Christ, we have not received the bare minimum to survive. And though we are sinners, God has graciously given us eternal salvation and he has promised to provide for our daily needs and yet he does so much more than that. Why then are we content to be just nice enough to those in need. Giving the right amount to ease our conscience while maybe not meeting the actual need. Why, when we were shown grace as sinners, are we overcritical in our judgment of who is deserving of what we give? Would the poor and the needy in our communities Look at us and our compassion and think we have a God who is abundantly gracious? Or would they look at us and say they believe in a God who helps those who helps themselves? If we have received the grace of Jesus, then let us be like Boaz, who is open-handed and generous to the poor, going above and beyond in a desire to show them how God's grace has changed us. See, plants grow in that condition of sunshine, water, and soil. And you all probably know way more than I do about growing stuff. 
But you can find plants growing in weird places with sunshine and water, but not a lot of soil, like when they're stuck in your sidewalk. And you can find plants growing in the desert with sunshine and soil, but not a lot of water. And you can even find weird plants like in your basement growing with no sunshine, but with water and some dirt. But they don't grow all that well when it's just two out of three. They really don't. You really need all three. And in the same way, our compassion, it's there sometimes if it's two out of three. If we believe in God's providence and we follow the law. But it doesn't flourish. It doesn't grow in abundance unless there is an understanding of how we have been shown abundant grace and a desire to show that kind of grace to others. Because that's what Christ has done for us. He became poor so that we might become rich. And he didn't just give away material possessions that he had. He literally gave away his own life so that we could not just get material possessions back, but an even better life, an abundant life, an eternal life. And that is how we have been blessed. So knowing that love, should we not also love the poor and the needy, the foreign and the different? And should we not seek to go above and beyond knowing that we are his servants, working in a field that is ripe for the harvest. Let us go into that field and show the kind of grace that we have been shown. Amen. And let us pray. Merciful God, we thank you. We thank you for the amazing grace that you show us. When we really sit back and look at what we have we have to be confronted with how you've blessed us. You have blessed us so, so wonderfully, above and beyond what we could deserve. Lord, help us to see that and to know that and to love you for it and to know how wonderful it feels to have been blessed in such a way. And so send that back to return it to others. Lord, give us eyes to see those around us who in your providence you have put in our way, not as a hindrance, but as someone we might help. Lord, we ask that you would please bless us, that we can bless others in Jesus' name. Amen.